1 Corinthians, 15th chapter. And, and here in, in these verses, 1 through 8, Paul gives us a tremendous gospel message. It talks about the death, it talks about the burial, it talks about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul's talking about the gospel. And so let's read 1 Corinthians 15, first eight verses, and I'm reading from the New King James Version this morning. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I deliver to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that, He was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, He was seen by James, then by all the apostles, then last of all, He was seen by me also, as by one born out of due time. Let's pray once again. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your word. And and we pray that, that by the truth of your word and by the power of the Holy Spirit, that what we know not, you would teach us. What we have not, you would give us. And perhaps most of all, who we are not, make us. For Christ's sake and in his name I pray. Amen. Amen. Christ's atoning death and His resurrection. His death, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, is the resurrection that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Now, now first, we're going to look at, in particular, these two items. Uh, First, consider the necessity of Christ's death upon the cross. Did Jesus have to die? Yes. Yes. Uh, Mark 8, verse 31. And he and Jesus began to teach them, his disciples, that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. Jesus was teaching, telling them what was coming. I, I don't think they really heard it, do you? I'm sure they would reflect back later. He must suffer. He must be rejected. He must be killed. And that simple little article translated as must means this is of necessity. This has to happen. It is required. Why? This was required for Christ to complete the work, the mission that God the Father had sent him on. For His only begotten Son to accomplish it. And what was that work? What was that commission? In Mark 10, verse 45. Mark 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. This is why He came. And this is why He had to die. God sent His Son to be a ransom for many, to become our Redeemer, to pay the ransom for that which was holding us captive, 
and what was at one point holding all of us captive. Sin and unbelief. Our sins had us bound in chains of iniquity and we were under the penalty of God's holy wrath. See, and I would pray that, that in this room that, that everyone has come to know Christ the Savior. But I also know that there are probably some who don't. And even now, they are under the penalty of God's wrath. And what is the penalty? What is the wages of sin? Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is, you say it, death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, the punishment for sin before Almighty God is death. And if Jesus was to save His people from their sin, a payment, a ransom, had to be made. Now, we sang this morning about who was worthy. Well, who is worthy to pay the ransom? To pay the debt of sin? Let me ask this. Can any mere human do such a thing? No. No. Psalms 49. Psalms 49, verses 7 and 8. None of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their souls is costly, and it shall cease forever. Now, we, we can, I believe we can bring that, and that can be an example for us. The redemption for our souls was very costly, wasn't it? The depths of my sin and the depths of your sin was so costly, it took the death of God's only begotten Son to pay the penalty. No no other price could be paid to cover the debt of sin that we owed. None can by any means redeem his brother. In other words, no mere man can ransom another man's soul and you certainly cannot ransom yourself. I think there are many even yet today who think they're going to work their way in, that they're going to somehow redeem themselves before most holy, righteous God. But listen to the one who can. If you go down to verse 15 there in Psalms 49. But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for He shall receive me, Selah. And again, I believe we can apply that even today to us. Who will redeem our soul? Our Christ, through the Father, will redeem us. And redeem us from the power of the grave. See, man can't do it, but God can. Through the death of His only begotten Son. It was the only way, and it still is the only way. Through Christ and Him upon the cross. And these events that Jesus had foretold had to happen for us to have redemption. They must happen. I want us to go to John 3. John 3, then begin in verse 14. And I I know through the years I've read this many times and, and we have looked at and emphasized that word must that's in this passage as well. So let's read it again. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, 
but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now we know, and if you haven't read it, and and if you're wondering, well, what was he talking about there? When he says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, we're not going to go read it today, but if you want to put in your notes, that's from a reference to Numbers 21. And this is where that God sent a a judgment or a plague upon uh, the Israelites. And, and what was this curse that was sent to them? It was snakes, and, and they were biting uh, them, and people were dying. And so God provided a cure. And then he uh, had Moses uh, fashion a a bronze serpent and to uh, lift it up. And then that all those who had been bitten could look to that image that was lifted up and they would be saved. They would be saved from death. And it's a picture of Jesus Christ. It was a picture of Jesus Christ. What was the curse that was upon them? Snakes. What was the image that was lifted up? A snake. And Jesus became a curse for us. What is the curse that is upon us? Sin. What did Christ become for us? Sin. That's in in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. For He, God the Father, made Him, Christ His Son, who knew no sin to be sin for us. Why? Why would He do such a thing? Well, keep reading. That we might become the righteousness of God in Him. See, what happened on the cross is that God made Jesus to be sin. And, and I believe, that, that this, is, this is me, I believe that, that it was at that moment when, when Christ became sin that, that God the Father crushed His Son and Jesus bore our sins. It was at, perhaps at that moment that Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why? Have you forsaken me? Jesus takes upon Himself the very wrath of God that we might receive the cure, that we might go free, that we might have everlasting life. Child of God, that's what He has done for you. He has taken the certainty of the wrath of God that was reserved for you. But by grace through faith, you have been washed. You have been redeemed. Christ has taken the curse that we might go free, that we might have eternal life. Galatians 3, verses 13 and 14. Galatians 3, 13 and 14. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Why? Why? Why would He do all of this? Well, keep reading that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. See, every time Christ going and giving Himself, and there was always this same purpose and reason that we might have a way to God the Father, that we might be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. See, and in becoming sin and a curse for us, He took our certain death and in return gives us eternal life. 
Let's read that John 3, verse 14 and 15 one more time. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. See, whoever looks to Jesus, looks to the sacrifice for sin that was lifted up on the cross, if we would but look through faith and believe we will be saved, will be saved from the curse of sin that is upon all mankind. In Isaiah 45, verse 22. Isaiah 45, verse 22. Look to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth. For I am God and there is no other. Look to Jesus Christ sacrificed upon a cross. Look to the payment, the ransom for sin and be saved. See, without the death of Christ upon the cross, there would have been no ransom paid, and we would all yet be dead in our trespasses and sins. These things must happen. That Christ died for our sins according to Scripture. Died for our sins. There's a song, we didn't sing it this morning. It's by His wounds. I tell you, well, there, there's a, it's references Isaiah 53. Let's bring up Isaiah 53, uh, verses 4 through 12. Let's read that. Isaiah 53, we're going to read 4, we're going to go all the way through, tw- through 12. Let's go through and I pray as we read, and especially this is a pretty long passage, I, I pray that any time we read, that you will realize this is the Word of God. And to pay attention to what His Word says. Because even if I get up here and stumble and bumble around, when I am reading God's Word, it is precious, and it is holy, it, it is from God and is given to us. And so we may we not take it lightly any time we're reading His Word because it is is those portions that we can hang on to and we can draw strength from and we can learn from. So, so any time we're reading, I'll be attentive. Be attentive. Fight the good fight of faith against distractions or whatever may come and, and listen to His Word. Surely He has borne our griefs. And, and let's pause there for a second. This was written some 600 years before Christ went to the cross. Keep that in mind. This is the prophecy given to Isaiah. Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. A child of God, put yourself in the verse. Put yourself in the verse. He he was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon Him, and by His stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to His own way. And the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. 
He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth, yet it pleased it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It pleased the Lord to crush him, his only begotten Son. Why would it please the Lord for Christ to go through such a thing? Because God the Father knew that this was the means that would bring many sons and daughters to his throne. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Child of God, does that that get you? Does that just grab you and and bring you to the cross? It's only by the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, by His sacrifice upon the cross. By His stripes we are healed. I know many want to take that and talk about physical healing, but I don't believe that's what this is talking about. He didn't die upon the cross for my physical healing. He died upon the cross for my spiritual healing. He died for my sins, that we, I could be cured and healed from my condition of sin. Let's sing that little song. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our sins. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him. And by His wounds... By His wounds we are healed. Do that again. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our sins. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him. And by His wounds, by His wounds we are healed. We are healed by your sacrifice and the life that you gave. We are healed for you paid the price. By your grace we are saved. We are saved. Listen one more time. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our sins. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him. By His wounds, 
By his wounds we are healed. He arose again the third day, according to the scriptures, raised for our justification. The resurrection, the resurrection. Let's let's read a portion again. I read a a portion of this this morning, but but let's read uh, Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10. Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, And ran to bring his disciples word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, rejoice. (laughs) What a blessing. Can you imagine? What an encounter. What a blessing that was bestowed here. Jesus met them saying, rejoice. So they came and held him by his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brother to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. (laughs) What had happened? The stone was rolled away. He is not here. He is risen. And the Apostle Paul tells us in Corinthians that the risen Christ was seen by many different groups. And that one group of people was over 500 people. Can you imagine that? 500 people witnessed the risen Christ at this one event that happened. He he said, uh, after that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present. Uh, Keep in mind, Paul wrote this some uh, 20, 25 years after the resurrection. And, And so Paul is saying, some have fallen asleep. Some of the people that were witnesses have died. That's what he's saying. But but the greater part remain to this day. And I, I believe what he was saying there, if you don't believe me, go ask them. That There's many that are still here and walking on this earth that were witness. If you don't believe me, go talk to them. Empirical evidence. Historic proof. <laughs> yes, we accept by faith. We do. But aren't you glad? But aren't you glad that we have historic record? That we have empirical proof that the risen Christ was seen? Uh, That's just a mercy of God to give us that, I believe. So that that, that we wouldn't have doubts as people would have had doubts back then. Well, it's just just the disciples came and stole him away. It's just the family that came and got him. And and all that big mystery and and the conspiracy theories that still go on today. But for 40 days, 40 days, 
different groups saw the risen Christ. Let's go to Acts, first chapter, and first three verses. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. I believe this is talking about the teaching after the resurrection, uh, to both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken away, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Infallible proofs. Because if Christ is not risen, there is no gospel. Do you understand that? That if there isn't, was no resurrection, there would be no gospel. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, let's read verses 14 through 19. Listen to the Word of God. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 14 through 19. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we were found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ, whom He did not raise, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. See, if Christ is not risen, then our faith is groundless. Uh, if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. If Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Now, now listen. It's not enough to believe only that Christ died for our sins. We must also believe in the resurrection. Did you know that? See, some might say, well, yeah, I believe Jesus lived and died on the cross, and I believe that resurrection, I can't go there. Well, then, they are yet in their sins. They are yet in their sins. Are there, are there, are there, <laughs> I think I could say they are yet in their sins. Or they're being very disobedient to the truth that are found in God's Word. Romans 10, verse 9. Romans 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Oh yes, we believe in the shed blood of Jesus Christ, but we also believe in resurrection power. Because if we don't believe in resurrection power, how could we assume that there's going to be life for us after we die? This is... But believing in the resurrection is foundational and fundamental. It is. Because if Christ is not risen, then we have no hope for the future. We would have no hope that we might live again unto eternal, everlasting life. 
Then also those who have fallen asleep, those who have died in Christ, have perished. You live, you died, done. If in, in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitiable. See, Christ's resurrection is a guarantee of the future resurrection of His people. You see. So if Christ is not risen, then this guarantee would be worthless. But He has risen. He has risen. Now, 1 Peter 1, verse 3. 1 Peter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You see, our hope is found in Christ and Him dying for our sins, of Him buried and of Him rising from the dead. He has begotten us again to a living hope. We have been born again unto a living hope because of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Christ did rise. We have hope. And Paul wrote to some bereaved Christians in Thessalonica. If you go to 1 Thessalonians 4. 1 Thessalonians 4. Because some had the notion that you had to yet be alive when Christ would come back. To be a part of this. And, and uh, that those. The people were worried about those who died. Well what about them? What about them? Well, well here Paul. Uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit. That was given to him. Paul says. But I do not want you to be ignorant brethren. Concerning those who have fallen asleep. And you know by now. That's those who have died. Lest you sorrow as others. Who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with Him those who sleep in Jesus, those who have died in Christ. Now don't take that verse and think there's some soul sleep going on. Don't go there. It's not what this is talking about. Those who have died in Christ. Okay? And then at the close of Paul's message, if you go down to verse 18, he says, Therefore comfort one another with these words words <laughs> you see there is comfort in times of death there is a blessed hope that we will see christ that we will see our friends and loved ones who have died in christ that we have a sure expectation of a bodily resurrection as christ our, our bodies will not stay in the grave <laughs> I can remember an old spiritual that was out in Barb and I years. This was years ago, and we would go to Southern Gospel Conventions. And they, and I know you can picture this group. There ain't no grave going to hold my body down. And they would sing that, and they would sing it. And they were Pentecostal, and so you can imagine what was going on. It, it, was, it was something, and, and I can still remember that. But it's true for the child of God. There ain't no grave going to hold my body down. Because of Christ has risen, I too shall rise. And if you are in Christ, you too will rise forevermore to be with Him. Our bodies will not stay in the grave. And, and I'm a, oh, can we sing another portion of a song? Uh, uh, the Lord is my salvation. And it's, it's the last verse. Uh, the verse that's got the words, And when I reach my final days. And when I reach my final day, He will not leave me in the grave, but I will rise. He will call me home. 
The Lord is my salvation. Let's sing that again. And when I reach my final day, He will not leave me in the grave, but I will rise. He will call me home. The Lord is my salvation. Who is like the Lord? Who is like the Lord, our God, strong to save faithful in love? My debt is paid and the victory won. The Lord is my salvation. That is true. I love the lyrics of that. My debt is paid and the victory has been won. Because the Lord is my salvation. Amen. 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 Can I read a little more? Let's, let's go a little bit farther because we, we, child of God, we are not of most men most pitiable. If we are in Christ, then we have every reason to rejoice and to be the most joyful people on the face of this planet. He will not leave his children in the grave, but he will come and raise them to everlasting life. Look, look at 1 Corinthians 15 verses 51 through 58. Paul says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible is put on incorruption and this mortal is put on immortality, then shall it be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. Oh, child of God, don't grow weary. Oh, re refresh yourself. Be, be renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Be renewed by the strength of and the truth of God's Word. And remain steadfast, immovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. And know that your labor here on this earth is not in vain. In the Lord. In the Lord. Make sure your labor is in the Lord. And doing all that He is asking you to do. Because Christians have victory in death and over death. Because of the victory in Jesus Christ. In His own resurrection. See we have this blessed hope. That because He rose that we too will rise. Uh, John, uh, Jesus said in, in John 14 verse 19. A little while longer and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live. You will live also, also, also. Can we sing a little more? Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. 
because he lives all fear is gone because i know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. See, knowing that your labor is not in vain. Knowing that. First Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 5. Verses 3 through 5. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. Now, to everyone who is under the hearing of my voice, you have heard the Gospel message today. It's read from His Word. You have heard the Gospel. You have heard it. In Romans 10, verse 17, It says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Have you heard the Lord today? Have you heard from Him? See, I I know if your ears are okay, you've heard my voice, but have you heard the voice of the Lord? See, that's what's important. Have you heard the voice of the Lord? In John 11, just verse 25, And this is Jesus, and he's talking to Martha about Lazarus, but he said this. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Everybody look up there, and, and, and let's read it together. Let's read it from the screen. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, Though he may die, he shall live. And everybody knows the question I'm getting ready to ask. Do you believe? Do you truly believe? And some will say, because I've encountered these, who will very flippantly say, yeah, yeah, I believe. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, back, back as a kid, back when I was a kid, yeah, I believed. I believed once. And then my then my next question will always be the same, but are you still believing? Are you still believing? And I would perhaps ask the question, does your life reflect the words and deeds of a true believer? Perhaps I would ask, is your belief any better than that of demons who believe and tremble because they know that their final destination will be the lake of fire? Is that the kind of belief you have as a demon or do you have true saving faith wrought by God Himself? Or have you believed in vain? We read that. That was in the first two verses we read this morning in 1 Corinthians 15. Just put one or two up there. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel. This was the gospel. Paul presented it. I have read it today. You have heard the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless, what's it say? You believed in vain. 
You mean there's a belief that is in, in vain? Yeah, that's not wrought by faith. That's not true repentance. It's just saying the words or signing a card or going through a confirmation and getting a certificate and, and, every, and you're declared everything's okay or perhaps going through a baptismal service and giving a little certificate and okay, you're good to go. Or for even being saying, well, that's okay, go ahead and live your life and, and uh, you'll spend a little time in purgatory and we'll buy you out of there, don't worry. Lies. All lies. Unless you believed in vain. You mean there will be people who believed in vain? Well, Jesus told us so. Look, Matthew 7, verse 21 through 23. Jesus Himself, Not everyone who says to Me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of My Father in heaven. You see, that's why I would ask somebody, are you doing the will of God? Oh yeah, I'm saved. I got my certificate. Yeah, but what are you doing right now? But he who does the will of my Father in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? Let me pause there again. You know somebody else that can do many wonders? Satan himself. Satan himself. Cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name. And then I, Jesus said, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness, sin. Their life was nothing more than a practicing sin. Oh, they, they claimed to be a child of God, but their heart was still dark and in sin. Well, preacher, how can I know? How can I be sure that I'm truly saved? Because let me tell you this. There is nobody on the face of this planet that can tell you whether you're saved or not. Did you hear me? Your parents can't tell you. Oh, they can. Preacher can't tell I can't tell you whether or not you're saved. And again, there are many preachers who do declare people saved. You'll never hear me say that. Your friends can't? Well, how can I know? Well, let's read the rest of Romans uh, 10, verses 9 through 13. Here, how about this? That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation, for the Scripture says, whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all, to all who call upon Him, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, how can you know? By grace through faith, you'll keep calling out to Him, until the Holy Spirit gives you assurance that you are saved. There is one that can give you the assurance that you are saved. And that's the Holy Spirit. There is no other. Only Him. Only Him. Romans 8. You say, well, preacher, where do you get that? Romans 8, verse 16. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. 
If you can't sit and, and say, I know without a shadow of a doubt, I know I'm saved. And that the Holy Spirit resides in me. If you can't say that, then I pray that you will call upon the Lord. Ask Him to open your eyes. Ask Him to grant you faith. Ask Him to grant you repentance as you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Believe on Him. Call upon Christ in faith. By grace you have been saved through faith. It's a gift of God that comes. And you will be saved. Saved from the wrath of God that will come upon all unbelievers. John 3 verse 36. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. I know I've said it many times here, and I will continue to say it as long as the Lord gives me breath and the strength to stand in this pulpit. There are only two categories of people on the face of this planet right now, and it's believers and unbelievers. There is no other category. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks for your word. For it is truth. It is absolute truth. It is the truth above any other thing that is said on the face of this planet. So Father, by the truth of your word and by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, I pray that if there should be anyone who has listened to this message, have heard this message, and are yet lost in their sin, that, that You would grant to them mercy, and that You would grant to them faith to believe, to truly believe, that they might see Your holiness and Your righteousness, and, and to know that their sin has separated them from You, and that in seeing your holiness and, and seeing their own sin, they would fall before you in recognition of that sin and confessing that sin. And Father, then show them the cross. Show them the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Show them that you have provided a ransom for their sin, and it is through belief in the shed blood of Jesus Christ, of his life, his death, the power of his resurrection. Father, give them faith to believe the gospel. And then, Father, give them a, an assurance that only the Holy Spirit can bring, that they might know without a shadow of a doubt that they are saved. And, Lord, that you would give them strength to turn from their sin and to follow you and to walk with you and to learn from your word and to be made more and more into the likeness and the image of Jesus Christ. So, Father, have mercy. And Lord, for those of us who are born again, who have received Christ and believe unto salvation, help us to, to know that our work here on earth is not in vain. And that every work and that everything that we would say and do, Lord, might be for your honor and glory. Help us to live for you. Lord, and then those times where we may become lax. 
where we may become distracted. I pray, Father, that you would bring us back, that you would you you would have our minds come back to your great and precious promises. So, Lord, don't leave us out there. And we know that you'll come get us if we should stumble and fall. Lord, I'm thankful that we have the power of the resurrection, that we have the gospel of Jesus Christ. So help us to live for Him that we may one day stand before You, Father, holy and blameless and above reproach because of being clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen.